Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, James Wood. I'm a motorsport and automotive consultant and driver. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello and welcome to the Driven Chat Podcast. My name is John Marker and sat opposite me is... Amy Shaw. Amy Shaw. I was ready for that one. Usually there's a panicking pause. of where I'm like, oh, you want me to speak? <laughs> it's because I never, I never give any clues as to whether I'm going to be kind with my intro or <laughs> lead you into it. I uh, thought we'd say a very quick hello. We are giving you just a little intro to this week's podcast, an episode that Amy and I recorded oh, three or four weeks ago now, mm-hmm. maybe more. Don't know. I can't remember. I've got Christmas brain. Yes. <laughs> if you're listening to this in real time, you're listening on Boxing Day. What on earth are you doing? I hope you're at least stuffing your face with leftovers, pigs in blankets, mm. and leftovers and party Chocolates. food, chocolate. It's always chocolate, isn't alcohol. It? <laughs> I mean, I think this episode's gone live at three a.m. So you're either you're still on it. Yes. Good effort. Well done. Or uh, you're cracking on at nine, ten o'clock in the morning, thinking, "Ah, oh, I'm not working. Let's." Uh, Crack another beer open, pop another <laughs> bottle of wine, go for it. It's Christmas, Christmas could, rules. Christmas rules is what, pre, pre-10 booze? Pre-10 a.m. booze okay. It's fine, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this, of course, is only relevant if you're listening in real time. And if you are listening to this in July 2026, um, I'm not going to say don't open a bottle of wine at <laughs> nine in the morning, but, you know, we are assuming you're listening to this in and around the Christmas period. Uh, today's conversation, as you've just heard from the intro, is... 
uh, a wonderful man called James Wood, who, as I've titled on this episode, is Goodwood Festival of Speed royalty. I should just say Goodwood royalty mm-hmm. because he is so well known for driving an amazing number of cars up the hill at the Festival of Speed, as well as at the Revival, as well as just being a really lovely personality. Uh, but that, of course, is just one tiny, tiny, tiny little element of his day-to-day life. He is an exceptionally busy man. And we'll go into detail of what he does in and around the world of cars in this conversation. But um, he's an old friend of yours, isn't he, Amy? You've, yes. you've got to know him through photography things. Yeah, of Goodwood as well. Just one of those people that you kind of see regularly and then you end up thinking, hey, I should probably go and talk to that person and let them know I've got lots of photographs of them. Not in a weird way, but they might want them. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> so, and there you are. A beautiful yes. friendship was formed. Yes, about yeah. eight, nine years ago. Oh, lovely. And he does talk about the uh, the photograph I think that you took of him which has sparked that so yes we thought we'd say a very quick hello just to introduce this podcast uh, we recorded this one at James's house you may you may hear in the background a little pitter patter of doggy feet walking around we were we were surrounded by dogs there might even be a bit of barking uh, but just so you're expecting it in case you're sat at home going I don't have a dog um, that's what it is it's the podcast uh, but also Worth referencing that later on this week, again, assuming you're listening to this in real time, uh, we're going to be bringing you a couple of bonus episodes. Uh, The bonus episodes that are going to be coming along, trying to avoid using the term like Christmas bonus, but it's happening over the Christmassy period. We decided that because there's a lot of people sitting around twiddling their thumbs, not doing very much, uh, we thought we'd bring you a couple of bonus episodes. And those are going to be in a very bizarre twist to how we usually do our podcast where Amy and I or Rachel and I or Amy or Rachel or me sit down and interview somebody else um, in a weird twist of events we the hosts are going to be interviewed which is um, which is a strange one um, so listen out for that later this week there's going to be two episodes coming out this week I'm going to start with Amy's one oh, and I then know. it's going to be mine And the person that's going to be interviewing us is uh, producer Amber. And you'll hear from Amber in in that next podcast. So listen out later this week, if you're listening in real time, you'll hear the first one with Amy. I haven't heard it. Don't know what it's going to be like. (laughs) And then you're going to hear mine, which I have heard because I was in it. I've not heard. Look forward to that. Yeah. Um, So yeah, just a kind of a bit of a heads up in case you're twiddling your thumbs for the rest of the week thinking, oh, what what more can I listen to next week or this week? We've got some more stuff coming for you. For now, let's dump, jump, let's jump (laughs) for now. Let's not dump, let's jump (laughs) straight into James Wood. Uh, Hear about his amazing career, his amazing world around cars. And we look forward to bringing you something special a little bit later this week or whenever you decide to catch up with it. No pressure. Enjoy. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Hello and welcome to the latest Driven Chat Podcast with me, John Markar, and... Hello, Amy Shaw. I mean, that's me, not hello, Amy Shaw. I am Amy Shaw. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Amy and I back together for a podcast. This is very exciting because it happens... Fewer, less and less these days. It's, it's, yes. It saddens me because you're so busy and Sorry. popular and successful at everything you do. And here I am sat with microphones. Said the man that's out. about to fly to very exotic places of the the world to go and do fun driving things and then come that back again. That is true. That is true. More <laughs> on that later. Uh, but more importantly, we are joined, as you've just heard there from the intro, by a very special guest. I, I wanted to kind of title you Goodwood Royalty, but I feel like that would be... <laughs> 
Almost not good enough, James, because you are so well known in the industry as a driver, as an instructor, as a just general personality and lovely man. But we have to title you, I fear, as Freddie's dad, because yes. uh, you were beaten to the Driven Chat podcast by your son, uh, your 10-year-old son, I should add, yeah. uh, who, of course, we spoke to, I spoke to at the Goodwood Revival. He was taking part in the Settrington Cup, the pedal cars. Uh, gave a fantastic interview, um, and I realised the the irony is we left the event and we didn't actually talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. So I'm getting used to it now, and also with his sister Clementina, of then. so she, who wasn't on the podcast, but uh, but lots of people seem to know who she is. <laughs> and I even leave events like Goodwood or uh, things well all around Europe, and uh, I sh- seem to hear from other people what my children have been up to because yeah. they sort of have friends all across the paddock so it's uh, oh, which is great it is um, but it seems a bit strange maybe it is time just to hand over <laughs> to the well, next it's, generation it's a pattern isn't it because of course yeah we'll, we'll get into the details of it but you effectively have continued a legacy from your father and it's inevitable that the legacy will continue yes very and, much so, yeah. yeah and yeah. we really hope so but i mean the passion for, on their side is is definitely there has been um all along, and not from from being forced, but uh, <laughs> but actually because they they do genuinely love love cars and people and and, and so on. Um, fortunately, with many friends too, and and also my wife. So Queenie, I met through cars at Goodwood right. oh. Festival, um, uh, and she was there through well with her father, whose family had been involved also for for many many years. So yes, uh, I think cars. Have, are firmly in the family <laughs> and, and, and it yeah. will continue for, for many generations to come. Fantastic. It, in whatever format cars, well, I mean, some yeah, cars are saying happens. whatever the future vehicles, automobiles yeah. are. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're here. Thank you so much for welcoming us to your beautiful home. Um, Amy, you've been here before a few times, haven't you? Yes, yes. I mean, I usually get dinner in return for doing your Christmas card photo for the last couple of years, I oh, think. So. Which is a yeah, very good deal on our side. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I yeah. think I win out of that one, really, <laughs> to be honest. So, uh, but no, yeah. it's been, I think, first time I met you was probably seven years ago, something like that. Probably yeah. also at Goodwood Revival, I'm guessing. And then, yeah, just kind of, you see people in the paddock and then you get chatting and then you're like, oh, you're cool, you race cars. And then... I'll take pictures and that's kind of it really for all the friendships that you end up having around Goodwood and the the area. So uh, no. And then you met James very recently, I guess, John. Yeah. Well, we, I've, I've known of you, James, for many, many years, but yeah, that was the first time we, we ever had a a quick chat, but of course the, yeah, the attention was focused on Freddie on that particular. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's only fair that we give you a chance to, you know, to come and have a chat. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. Yeah. Amy, you've made a very good point there within this, this world of, of cars. It's, to anyone that's not in the circle or not in the the interest field of, of cars and motorsport. Well, what are you doing listening to this podcast for a start? Well, what are, but... yeah, firstly, what are you doing listening <laughs> to this podcast? But secondly, it, it almost would seem quite fickle. How do you know these people? Well, cars. That seems yeah. to be the answer for so many of our close friends and, and people that you end up, you know, lifelong friends. And you get asked a question, how did you meet that person? Why do you know them? And the answer is often just, well cars funnily enough it's just yeah. either you've yeah. driven the similar cars or you've raced together or you've attended events together and and there you have it but yes that here we are celebrating that wonderful thing that is just the joy of cars and the automotive industry because it's so much more than just a bit of exciting noise and passion it actually generates 
properly good friends. Yeah, well, this, this is the funny thing about being a photographer as well, is that it'll get to a point after I've photographed somebody for so many years where you kind of know each other's faces, but you've never really met. And then I, at some point, feel a bit like, I don't know, not embarrassed, shy. I don't know. I go up to them and I'm like, hey, I've got loads of photographs of you. From not in a weird way, but I mean, would you like me to send them to you? So I think that's usually how it ends up like getting to, to talk. So I have so many photographs of you, James, from over the years. And there's a, there's a point where I think, oh, that's from that point. I knew James. So yeah. Was, yeah, no, it's it's in fact relating to that. There's a very nice picture I have here in the house. One of the few photographs, well, only photograph probably prominently displayed, except for a small one on the side, which is when we early days of us knowing one another, mm-hmm. we're driving a uh, beautiful picture of Amy, photograph of me driving a uh, 250 GTO. This is uh, belonging to Nick Mason at yep. 10 tenths, mm-hmm. which itself has a great story because Amy knew Holly Mason, Frankitty, who is one of Nick's daughters. Our children are friends, so Freddie, mm-hmm. Clemmy and Luca. Yeah. And they're the fourth generation then of Mason family, um, now starting Frankitty, mm-hmm. which is course, uh, w- yeah. with us because, in fact, my father knew Nick's father. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So, yes, it's, it's, it's um, amazing how it... Uh, how things continue so um and that's well hopefully not the only reason that i'm I'm trusted with with some amazing (laughs) cars by by nick and the family but um on 10 tenths but um but no it 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 is nice when you share common interests Mm -hmm. passion and friend genuine you know really good friendships come and you pass it on sometimes you you're not always (laughs) you don't necessarily get on but actually when it does work it's Mm -hmm. fantastic so let's talk generations let's let's start at the beginning it's always very difficult to know where to start when talking to somebody with such a varied career lots of exciting big chapters so let's go right back to the basics and a question that I, I regularly like to ask people is what is if you can pick it out your earliest memory in or around cars it would be either testing or at an event with my father so but it would have been as a baby or very young child mm-hmm. So, because my father started uh, his interest in cars and started racing in the mid to late fifties, um, so by the time I came along, he'd already done quite a lot, and we were often at events around Europe. So, and in some, it's quite hard to say pinpoint which was my first memory as opposed to what I've known growing up through photographs yeah. of me as a baby in various racing cars, new and old at that time already. So, it would have been fantastic, very good early memories are. At the Nurburgring and Le Mans, as a very young child, wow. I used to play in the garage, particularly the Nurburgring. Um, and when we had a bag of toy cars, so the, and children weren't allowed into the pit lane, obviously. Mm, yeah. So we'd stay in the stay in the in the box and and play with toy cars on the floor when, <laughs> when, when the grown ups went off to do their thing. Which nowadays you probably couldn't just leave children. No, <laughs> entertaining themselves in the so garage trackside. Because at that time you had to go under a tunnel because the pit lane was it was just very narrow exit. The tunnel's still there, but but the return loop of the south loop came immediately behind it. Yeah. So and that was a very firm control as to whether to go through the tunnel. Mm. But um, the yeah, and so and really fantastic memories and and the smell as well of car mm. and particularly the older Grand Prix cars there. Well, I suppose it's funny that there's nearly everybody that's in the automotive world, whether you work in it or it's a passion, and they must have come from a generational point. Like I know that myself, the only reason why I'm in the car world is because of my dad. And yeah. I mean, I don't know if John, if you were always growing up around cars with your yeah, yeah exactly workshops in and around workshops as a small child. So yeah, for me, it, it was never anything particularly glamorous. It would have been. Ford Granadas and Cortinas being pulled <laughs> apart in workshops. But, you know, I have very vivid memories of me running around as a as a toddler 
seeing these enormous cars mm-hmm. as they seemed back then um and dad working on them and mm-hmm. yeah it's it, it is uh yeah it's infectious isn't it i think there's always it's interesting i find it very interesting when you meet people that haven't got that family history they're just something t- a light bulb turned on at mm. some point because they liked the look of a car or they perhaps went along to a motorsport event with a friend but hadn't previously had any interest uh, which i feel is quite a rare thing to find but mm. i always really enjoy hearing those stories as well but yeah. uh, the, the heritage of being passed down inheriting passion i think is a is a very wonderful thing yes and uh, no it's true and it wasn't always glamorous for example um you know there were Obviously, lots of things I used to help in in the workshop, getting cars ready, yeah, yeah. Um, and and go with my father to other workshops and seeing incredible cars being either built, you know, at factories mm-hmm. or work teams, um, or older cars being being rebuilt, which were very significant. Like a car of, of talked about at the moment is the, is the three hundred SLR Mercedes Unhap yes. Coupe, which I mm-hmm. saw being restored in England forty mm-hmm. years ago. Wow. We used to regularly go there. The same, the V sixteen BRMs, all three were yeah. rebuilt there, and I saw them being rebuilt. My mother took a lot of video mm-hmm. of that because it was a significant thing. I'd, wow. I'd been on a school night, taken up to London to to Earl's Court to the set to the to the Christie's sale that mm-hmm. where they were sold, and then anyhow knew that, and then went to the fir- the first time they'd all run um, in how many years, so and went to two or three of the tests. Silverson, so and saying all the details, and uh, and so yeah, anyhow, sort of quite interesting things. We'll visit, say, visiting some of the prominent factories, but then also um, being up late to hold spanners and yeah. <laughs> hold a, a torch and a, a, a wander lead, you know, mm-hmm. inspection lamp yep. um, in freezing camera shit, <laughs> and so on, or yeah, or, or somewhere along the road. So it's um, you know, traveling through the night to get somewhere, particularly mm-hmm. on the continent, um, for the next morning to go so it wasn't a glad that you know stuffed in the back of probably with sitting on top of bags and all sorts of cars but that was all just part of it and some people would have been turned off totally and which yeah and some actually some yeah contemporary children just well either didn't do that or didn't like cars or so it's not necessarily that people do inherit that but equally Mm. it's great to see people and learn of you saying people who haven't had an exposure to cars Mm. um who then get a passion Mm. um and without diverting too much more at events now, it, I think it's really, it, personally, I think it's really important to, uh, my sort of priority in engagement with, with people, if, if, if for want of a better term, is, is um, the priorities of the, of the oldest people and the youngest people, mm-hmm. uh, particularly at some of the historic events and with the big public events, without, you know, not talking about walking around waving to, mm. you know, to people like a superstar, mm-hmm. but actually but people like to engage often. So often, you know, naturally you would put your head down and carry on and not be embarrassed, but, you know, but but sort of get about your own thing and not look to look for attention. Mm -hmm. But some people like, you know, when you see people waving, Mm. um, particularly on on roadsides or around, you know, at the end of races or something. Mm -hmm. And I learned this in it. Well, I I thought about it more in Italy that that the very old oldest people you see at the side of the road are lucky to have done the Mille Miglia. Several times, yeah. So it could be up in the middle of the hill, not in the big cities where everyone's, but up on the hills, you see an old lady sitting at the side, or a gentleman sitting at the side of the road, maybe on a, you know, on a stone or something with family, maybe. But they're waving and think that that person may have seen this car when it was a real race, coming past, driven by say Peter Collins. Hmm. Yeah. Um, But then the next, so that's really nice because they won't get much more of an opportunity, Mm -hmm. and they may have seen this. The other side, the youngest people and the children always because they're the future. Mm. Yeah. 
and you suddenly see their face light up. So you ignore everyone else and you, you, look at, you catch the ch- child's eye. If they're sort of waving, but they're often bashful, and you look at them and wave and thump, thumbs yeah. up. Yeah. And they love it yeah. often. Yeah. And, and I think that's really important to hopefully capture their... It's not for me, but as much as for the enjoyment of everyone and the, the, the future to, mm-hmm. yeah, to really give them an experience rather than just being the person that could be behind their, the fence. That could, they be, could be their the oldest memory. Yes. Of, you know, if somebody asked them in 30 years' time, what's your oldest memory of, of cars? It might be that once upon a time I saw the Mille Mille and one of the drivers waved and yeah. that could be it. They, yeah. that's, sometimes that's all it takes. And, and in fact, yes, and, and there's a picture which um, keep coming across because it's in files of mine, but which um, was taken at one of the early... A festival of speed, early two thousands, yeah. and and I was there with Dunhill, who were a main sponsor mm-hmm. in overalls and with the Dunhill signs, but, but and leaving the drivers club as you find signing mm. signing programs, and it was the usual thing of saying we well, probably you know, I'm probably not that important, but in, you know it's nice of them to do it. So and sign, but signing the so with a lot of children who were probably ten or twelve at the time. And thinking, but well, that's now twenty years ago. Mm. Mm. Yes, of course. So actually, they, they might have been working in automotive industry. They may be running cars. They may have done it and retired almost by <laughs> yeah, now. Right. Yeah. They could be in yeah. Formula One. They may have no involvement whatsoever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it, it's suddenly that that got me thinking. Seeing the picture, the same sort of topic of mm. great and keen, and they don't know if they, they to them it's great, and they don't mind if they don't know who you, if they don't recognise the person. But sure. it's nice for them to have signed it, which is the yeah. th- often say, well, don't you don't want my but actually to do it that's an engagement with them absolutely it's and a memento from the event isn't it yeah something to take and away. maybe i ha- yeah so anyhow so it's a exactly it is part of it and i think that's also just like the responsibility mm-hmm. yeah. of people at the events yeah. to, to we're there for the show it, it's for for the benefit of the event yeah everyone's there yeah, why you're driving right. things why you wear wear certain clothes yes. overalls or yeah. whatever it's what Bradley, but, it but, so no, but it is part of yeah it's yeah. a really great interaction with people that mm. you don't get mm-hmm. elsewhere now before we started recording we were still in your kitchen you you started to tell a little bit of a story and amy very correctly said oh stop talking because <laughs> i want to hear the rest of that in the podcast and again this does relate to your your childhood and I know you're you might be a little cautious as to how you want to word things or or what you want to say but I'll leave it open to you what I'll say is um Nürburgring Nordschleife which you mentioned you have a very happy early memories of as a small child um not a lot older than the small child that you were you were also driving around it oh yes oh actually this is the second story that Amy stopped me on because that's fine then we can rewind the other so on the Nürburgring well yeah say do have fond memories of over many years. So I was very lucky and start, was exposed to cars and therefore started had started driving at a young age, quite safely off the road. I must say this is off the public <laughs> road. As often, you know, people probably do sitting on your father's knee and then, yeah, yeah, and I think we were about seven and started driving properly and my parents went out and and again not the glamour side so lots of people had the new bmx bike and something and mm. then just had an old single as in just a fixed gear yep. bike to whiz around the garden and um very happily but my parents found a, a an old mini well <laughs> yeah a, a mini which was as you think probably didn't have an mot it, it was probably you know a sort of a i don't know 50 pounds in the local chip shop window type of you know, advert, yep, yep. postcard in the window. And um, so parents got this and it was a surprise for my brother and I. So fantastic. It needed a bit of work, yep. hands-on. So not a, you know, this was effectively our first car. <laughs> and um, they were sort of seven and eight. 
uh, with the Mini, so drove that fine. Lucky to have lived in the in the countryside, so there's yep. space where you know you can go across on, on the drive gravel and then um, and in, in the field. So an experience was gained, and by the time we were eight and nine, we started teaching our friends from school to drive. Um, you must have been the coolest boys in the class. Well, we were say we didn't have the fl- you know one to the, uh, the glitz of the new BMX and stuff were yeah, really yeah. cool, but we didn't have that or the new roller skates. But mm-hmm. actually, the mini was <laughs> it sounds silly, but the car was cheaper than the bike. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but was a lot of fun and experience. My you know, parents always thought it's safer than. You know, you're safe when you start to drive on the road. That if you can control yeah, a car, true, so true. we started doing all you know, sort of our own skid pans on the grass and <laughs> rever- you know J turns and so on, teaching our friends handbrake turns and sort of even video with the VHS machine. Wow. And so we used to do this around um, at any opportunity. Particularly my, my my brother, but me particularly and friends. So we were. Uh, uh, Anyhow, this was sort of normal as such, um, which is just a slight, I think, confusion of some of the people living nearby, particularly across <laughs> the road. So they could see um, yeah, this the- little mini whizzing around up and down the drive and yeah. around the, um, the on this gravel and turn off around the field. So it was actually coming back. It was let's say, it was one weekend. Obviously, someone uh, had I don't know had, had someone had an accident uh-huh. driving on this dead straight road, and there was a car upside down fifty meters into the field from the, or thirty meters in the field from the road, and it was left there, and um, which was a bit further, you know, sort of it, it was actually a, a field away, so wow, you know, half a mile away, mm. and and at the same time, I'd had an injury from playing rugby, and I was uh, on crutches, and my father said, whatever you do, just don't go into the village because he was in there getting the papers and heard two people saying, have you seen that car in, in the field along whatever road? Yes. Oh, that's probably the wood boys. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Thinking, so we were really being labeled, which was totally, yeah, we, we were innocent of that. So that was the reason. So it wasn't a, a particularly, but other, yeah, no, it was one of these things that, so, oh, sorry, we've now gone on to the mini story. No, but that's good. That's because good. Because rather than, leads sorry, to, it leads to the other one. So, yeah. Um, and the reason, yeah, so um, we, yeah, so learning, sorry, drive and car control and stuff. So that was all. Um, I do love very... that you were teaching your friends before you yeah, taught anybody absolutely. officially. This is, this are you really, you've been doing your profession from the word go. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> when in fa- yeah, and in fact, a few people did get into trouble. Either at school or with their parents because they'd come for the weekend and, 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 and go back and say, so what did you do this weekend? Mm. Or what did you do? <laughs> um, you know, or, or so what did you do at the woods? And it was, uh, well, James taught us how to drive. <laughs> no, come on, stop lying. Come on, tell the truth. <laughs> and it was. So, but the fact we had videos to record, oh, which are, are somewhere. Um, it would be great fun, to, except with little squeaky voices. Yeah, of because, yeah. well, let's say that does. But, you know, compared to now, it's sort of funny hearing your voice when you were... yeah. 10. Getting just as excited uh, or, or, about mastering so it's, a J-turn. Yeah. Um, but so we had experience in, in cars and, and also with my father in, in larger cars, rear end, uh, rear wheel drive cars. So he'd say, you know, floor it and turn the wheel yeah. so that you could just get experience of the oversteer with him yeah. sitting there. So... Um, and I won't say what cars were because you think it's strange, but it's sort of, you know... Um, but no, so um, uh, it's all sort of normal. So we didn't... And again, we didn't go off on crazy you know holidays and off mm-hmm. to the beaches and so mm-hmm. on but cars with us yeah are active at recreation and yeah lots yeah. of fun we did do some you know went to the beach and so on <laughs> but the um so not totally deprived but the when we got to the well so at the Nürburgring been there all my life mm. and Le Mans, the other a lot mm-hmm. of circuits but at 12 
we were there. And I was 12, my brother 13, with my father. And we'd been driving for five years. Mm -hmm. So, of course, it was time just to drive on this nice, <laughs> closed bit of track. <laughs> um, so, yes, we went off on the Nordschleife, wow. and which we had done, again, from, from pretty much from birth. I didn't go to the Nürburgring until I was two. From then on, every, and every year, my father drive on the Nordschleife, and often we were there in the back or the front of the car or something. And so when we were 12, we drove, but not complete lap and, and very discreetly. And also, in those days, it was very quiet. Of course. So it, yeah. it is not like today. It wasn't on the internet. There were no sort of no. YouTubers or, or hot lap timers. <laughs> or the GT3s flashing their lights to get <laughs> No, I mean, there you. were people. But equally, we, we could drive and we weren't going to go crazy. Yeah. But it was, yeah, so it was all safe. And my father was also using the mirrors, like, you know, mm. but you would responsibly. Great. So, um, and there also weren't as many bikes then. So it, it was very quiet. You may see one or two cars on a quiet, wow. literally mm -hmm. on... Depending on the speed, but no, anyhow. So we drove on this thing, and in fact, um, we again have photos of that, of which my father took from the passenger seat of <laughs> his his son, which was That's which amazing. was a nice thing. So my first drive on the Nordschleife was at twelve, but so then I think the next year, and in fact, so when I was four, and that was in fact in a modern, I was in a modern car, mm -hmm. in a actually Maserati Camsin. Which is 170 wow. miles an hour yeah, yeah. <laughs> car, but but I didn't wasn't doing the, those speeds. <laughs> But I did do 100 miles an hour in a pre-war car in an Invicta wow. when I was 14. Oh, my goodness. So that was um, with my father in the car as well. But I'd, been, I'd driven that car as well before. Mm. And it was quite normal. It's a good, a good, uh, good pre-war car will do, sports car will do 100 miles an hour, mm -hmm. yeah. which was, my, again, my father's uh, sort of note or his sort of thinking from the early days. He had that car, a, a, post, a 50s car that did 150 and mm -hmm. like you know, driven and had it then later had a D-type Jaguar and so on and going on. And like it was had a GT40 that he used, for a while, which yeah. were in the period. Anyhow, so, but that was the thing. But so good, did my 100 miles an hour in a pre-war car, which was in a car from 1932. So that was, so the next, we were 15, I think it must have been from pictures that um, Alan Cadenet was often over there. And, and he was there in one of his Alphas, the, Mo, the HC Monza. Yeah. And, um, as we cover others, so and again, having these pictures of so Alan was there with his son Alexander in the car, who was a couple of years younger than me, in the Monza, and then you know, in Victor, and then but we suddenly stopped, disappeared. And I said, Well, wait, why did you what happened to you? You dropped back. Like, well, we had to swap, but of course, because we would change. So, what we do is go through a couple of corners of Hatzenbach <laughs> and then pull over on, and again, it was quiet, so it wasn't yeah, yeah. and it was in a on the in you know, in a safe mm -hmm. part. Swap and then do a lap and then stop just before you came back because at that time it had a different control. It was up at the where the where the where the track joins. Um, there was the small control by T thirteen twelve T thirteen is now, but there used to be there a Sentry. Ah. Um, well, not a Sentry, but it was a a, a a a gentleman in uniform who looked. It could have been police. Could have, you know? It was looked more like a military uniform with the. Yeah tall hat and the shiny peak cap wow. and a ticket an old uh um barrel uh, handle you know revolving ticket machine mm -hmm. yeah paper ticket machine and um and then so so we used to swap and then alan alan said the artist said don't worry what, what are you talking you know anyhow you stop you're losing time so <laughs> said, don't worry he said just wear a cap and goggles and the officer <laughs> weren't noticed <laughs> and and it was this funny thing because um well anyhow fun it was like a sort of a 
a, a wartime scenario for him. It was avoiding the the, the military, you know, the army officer yeah. at the thing. So, um, but but then that did give the confidence to just actually go mm. start when we were quite young and drive sense. And it was, I'm sure it was actually closed for official reasons private hire uh, well actually were because uh, hubertus or count dernhoff would off, would also hire as he does now he would get private sessions wow yeah so you uh, you knew it was just a few people mm. and because also he he re, he got the whole movement a lot of big movement going again at the at the nurburgring yes of course the big the big reopening. so yes yeah. um and so that was uh, anyhow so it was Again, very fortunate, and um, but quite fine. So I got to know the Nordschleifer itself quite well, mm. quite early on. Um, not doing lots of crazy laps, but a lot of driving and um, supervised until it was, yeah, appropriate. Supervised for <laughs> I, I, I can't say. <laughs> but so I did. <laughs> and so, yeah, and over years, yeah, anyhow, had a, had a great time there, racing, testing, coaching. For so many many years, it was. It's safe to say that you definitely. There, there wasn't probably even ever a time when you were at school thinking, "What do I want to be when I grow up?" Was it mm. always a? Oh, I'm just going to drive. Was that always the the idea, or not, not even? Were, were there no, any other ideas? I don't think there were. I didn't have any. I didn't have other. Uh, I suppose careers that I set on or, mm. or, or goals. I was passionate about cars, and mm. I I drew about you know I I drew cars all the time and and so. On. Which um, and many of these I've still got in all this, but which is nice to see. And I, uh, but equally, I wasn't. Um, I, I, and also my parents kept, uh, well, kept a balanced, um, a, a balance for for me particularly. My brother was was more balanced probably in terms of of a lot of other activities. But I played all sports, mm-hmm. so I loved sports. I played, you know, well, rugby, hockey, cricket cross-country swimming athletics whatever and then tennis whatever I love the sport so cars then I I suppose I I probably felt that I I would always have and I could have an involvement or exposure with them it wasn't necessary I, I loved them I would have loved to have gone into you know continued or done things with cars but it and would have loved to drive and race but it wasn't necessarily it wasn't my focus and in some ways, that may well you could say a problem, but it's a, or or delay. But it's not. That I went okay. I'm going to go to Formula One, and mm. and focus on mm-hmm. that. I was actually probably a bit too relaxed about not doing that. Not that I did want to or feel that I should have gone to Formula One. It's just that I wasn't thinking of a career in motorsport or driving. Mm. But I knew I'd have exposure and opportunity, and therefore, um, and loved them. Yeah. Do you think but there was it, also an element of not wanting to spoil the fun? Well, that, that was to try to keep a balance in life, which mm. is because, yes, a lot of people going there and the focus, I mean, it's even, uh, yeah, it, today it's it, it can be extraordinary. But even then, there were, you know, a lot of people sacrificing, well, it was a big, there was huge financial commitment, mm-hmm. find sponsors, funding for this, and not that that was itself a problem. There were lots of stuff doing, you know, with, okay, hands-on, you make stuff work, and mm. there was the carting and the rest. And I didn't do much carting. But slightly to be... And it was a bit of also shelter because some friends, friends who had were doing karting were getting, were finding the already then the sort of the the stresses of things. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that I shouldn't have done that, but it was I was sort of yeah I suppose between my parents and, and me that wasn't something that I was desperate to do. Sure. 
and I was also equally having fun driving around things already. So <laughs> it seems, seems slightly strange, but um, no, and, and having a very broad, uh, broad interest then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and actually, I tried to keep work, cars, and work separate for mm-hmm. for some years. Yeah. Um, so it was. I did continue, which was important. Continue not school, university, <laughs> and had a proper job for our work in London. Um, and the yes, in fact, I went to law school and, and worked for a bank. Mm-hmm. And then there was more and more holiday, extra time was going racing, and then there were a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. that came, and people asked me to start to, to coach them um, who were already driving, uh, and then events and sp- sponsors things. It came. It, yeah, it, it just was that my my. It was I found the point at which I found that I could immediately switch off from work and drive yeah so that was very easy but on a monday morning trying to sit at an office in a at a desk and focus on a, on computer and mm. and work was harder and harder <laughs> because your head's still going around a corner in imola or somewhere or silverstone yeah. and not and not and not then it is so but actually there were opportunities that came up um including some le mans programs which just meant that yeah, I really wanted to, having not taken some of the opportunities enough, or made, you know, or, or done enough for the opportunities when I was st- first starting to race, which mm-hmm. was as soon as I could at seventeen. Or, mm-hmm. um, then I thought I would do it. Yeah, I would do it properly with the event side as well, and consulting and the sponsor Great. parts and, and coaching. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a calculated decision. A bit late. Cars had never left, mm-hmm. but it's just that I, I had had a balance for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, it's interesting to hear that chapter of the, the real job because I think there are a lot of people listening, and I can relate to this. You know, I started out as a, a freelance event organizer, organizing track days and, and circuit events, and then I spend my the rest of my working week in a travel company or a property company. Yeah. You know, doing the day to day, earning earning the money you need to pay the bills, and then you yeah. go off on a Friday evening and head up north to Coscombe or something, and spend the weekend there organizing events, and then going back and going. Right, this isn't as fun. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. So what was the, when did the professional transition happen for you? What was the first, I guess I was going to say paid job, but I think a lot of people get into motorsport and it's a, a good few years before you start making money from, uh, as a driver. Uh, but what was the first time you were in a car uh, as a competitor racing? As a competitor, it was, uh, a car was in 1990. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and in fact, yeah, so I had been, i tested driven before in some yeah private days <laughs> yes um and yes yeah, so, so that was that was in in 90 so there was that was a 10-year gap well right. not, not a gap yeah it was, it was 10 years before those opportunities um uh well yes but before things really changed although but i, I and, and actually the diversity or the mixture I, I was doing already a lot of historic racing mm-hmm. driving through the, through that period yeah mm-hmm. um uh as well, and the mixture, which actually, apart from anything, it was slightly, again, not an intention, but whereas you can, you know, they were getting the funding to to drive and, and go out to drive other cars, one mm. thing. But I was very fortunate to be asked to drive lots of cars mm. already. So with, you know, and you help and you push and polish and whatever, <laughs> do you think, but but actually being very nice to be entrusted with cars, but asked to drive cars. So in fact, even though I didn't necessarily have a budget to go, and do a championship mm. i did have a lot of racing mm. and driving opportunities yeah so al- already so that was um 
uh, yes, which of course started through my father and then and friends of his saw, saw that I drove well. And in fact, coming back to that at Nürburgring, sorry, come for some reason, it's not the only track I've been to. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple, uh, hundred or so others. But the um, again, that was there as a teenager driving, came in and there was a lovely American chap there um, who sadly died a few years ago. But he, he was there and he came in, he was in a, he was in a, in a Porsche. Mm. Came parts and um, going along the main straight, as it as you as it's termed, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> straight um, back in. We're back in the paddock, and then he said, "Oh, great to my father! Great to see you out on track, mm-hmm. Bob." And um, it looked really good, and he had been following us uh, through quite a section of the of the track, mm-hmm. um, sort of back from probably Hoark Vipperman all the way through there, yeah. and and back. And he came along the straight, beat, and then drove off, and then. Went back, so he said, "Great, Bob, to see you on the track. The car looked really good." And he said, "Well, it wasn't me; it was James." Oh. <laughs> and I was—I don't know—I was fifteen or something. <laughs> so it, was, it was funny. And then he said, "Wow!" And he very kindly said, "Oh, his—he was—he was driving a Maserati 250F." Then mm. he said, "Sadly, it's broken. It's a drive train failure." And he said, "What a shame!" But because otherwise, he would have. Asked, you know, invited me to drive it. Wow. He said, but if you come to the states, but, but you should come and drive it, which was a very nice thing for mm. you know, for him to say that. Yeah, and it, again, not yeah. It, I'm sure there are lots of people who don't offer their cars, but no. again, it was nice that he saw me driving. Yeah, the car well and didn't actually thought it was my father. Yeah. Did you take him up on the opportunity? I didn't sadly, but because then a lot of you know big foreign travel mm. trips, you know, we mm. weren't yeah prior to it, and then but also slightly. Well, yeah, I mean, then at that point to sort of try to ask parents for money so you can just yeah. fly yeah. to America to drive someone's car. As a 15-year-old. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of, which was great. But it, again, it was a lovely, even the gesture of him saying it yeah. was fantastic yeah, um, to do yeah, to do that. And it, also I would, and certainly that, well, still, I'd feel quite awkward contacting someone you don't really yes. know. And no, I didn't yeah, really know right. the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah. sort of met him once or twice, mm. yeah. maybe the year before, maybe just that over that weekend. Mm. Mm. And then, oh, sorry, it's me. Um, by the way, you said you could. I'm, yeah. I, I'd like to come over next week, and it's not. <laughs> that's not no. me. I, yeah. I again, some you know, certainly well, with a lot of things like that, I'd much prefer. Particularly, it's a historic car and beautiful, and, and that's lovely. And that's a. That was also quite a personal thing, so I wouldn't like to then think, oh, I'm just going to, you know, hassle the person yeah. for that. Yeah. I'd prefer to be yeah. invited again, yes. asked a second time, rather than forcing it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's an indication of perhaps, you know, you mentioned that you didn't have that drive and ambition to go and pursue sponsorship and, and go and chase sponsors to start your career. And I think that's perhaps just a, a trait of you not wanting to kind of overstep the mark you, you it's it's a really difficult thing putting yourself forward and, and and going out to take up on opportunities there will be people that would have picked up the phone to that guy and said hey you promised me that drive i'm here i'm on my way yeah. and 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 you didn't clearly because you you thought better of it and i think that's an indication of a couple of things that it's it's a very good trait to have because it's it's not bullish you know i think I, i'd certainly regard that as a bullish thing to do if you then picked up the phone and said you promised me that drive here i am in the same way that you kind of need that bullish side to then go out and ask for sponsors i recently had a did one of these episodes with um perry mccarthy who yeah. shared the amazing story about his career in the early 1990s where he was essentially working on the oil rigs to fund his motorsport career to get him started in the world of of motoring he'd go off do 
six, seven, eight weeks at a time on an oil rig to then get back and then go knock on the doors of potential sponsors to say, could you come and sponsor me? And I think, yeah, you know, I, I couldn't do it. it I would absolutely be, yeah. could well, not do well, it. Well, actually, the, the thi- although the, it is a different thing, for example, the, with sponsors, yes, and I mm. did go through a lot of you know, work on that and worked very hard with mm. people, but, and also, but mainly later for, 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 for current programmes, mm. as opposed to, for example, a historic car, yeah. when you're you know, young, that, because that was his... Pro- that's, to me, I separate it quite a lot. Um, and, and yes, it's clear, and, but equally, I do, no, I do... It's much easier to ask for, for something, for someone else. Yes, mm. than oh, yes. Yourself. Oh, absolutely. But when it comes to... If it's, but, and also, it was the separation, certainly for many years, of new cars business, or new cars work, old mm. cars people's enjoyment mm. there are different you know things different work differently some drives are even in the old cars are, you know, that's work other cars are a, a privilege to be asked to drive yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah because yeah. most people would not be asked to drive them mm-hmm. and asked to drive as opposed to asking to drive yes. yeah. and again yeah. so this yeah. is the thing so and it'd be extravagant so had that been a new car if someone said come and test the new formula 3x mm. you know for example that would be um you know, yes, pick up the phone, bang. If that were an opportunity in a new car or for a sponsor, that would have been a different thing yeah. to being, mm-hmm. yeah, someone come, come fly, fly at large expense. <laughs> That's a big yeah. outgoing yes. to do something, you know, a bit frivolous as opposed to just get on and graft at home. <laughs> um, but, I mean, to have those opportunities, was, was there one opportunity particularly that you thought this, this is the highlight of my career to have been asked, let alone actually be able to do it? Was there some, one of those points you thought, this, this, I've, I've made it finally? It's a good question. <laughs> and I say that, love, and not quite head, head in <laughs> hands, but no, because the, as with, as you hear from Perry and others, there are so many opportunities. But uh, actually, when I drove the GTO, mm-hmm. which was... Uh, um, an amazing, uh, well, yeah, thing to do, including the the. So I suppose an honour really being asked to do it, but a, a beautiful car and 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 something lovely to drive that you captured so well, Amy. Oh, thank the, you very um, much. Without <laughs> re- <laughs> the um no, but and in fact, so as before, I'd been asked um, on the Friday. It was this was for the Sunday at the Festival of Speed. Mm-hmm. Okay, there for our two fifty GTO and. Uh, Lots of press about this car being, you know, one most valuable in the world, mm. and so so. But then I can't remember it was Holly Marino, maybe or Ben, mm-hmm. uh, the chair, uh, said, "Okay, maybe you know, are you available on Sunday? Yes, I could be." Mm-hmm. And they sort of, "Yes, I could definitely be available." So I knew <laughs> they had one for our, any couple. But then in the meantime, I'd heard. Of course, there was a, as soon as it was heard that there was a. You know, actually, not a free seat, but that it was probably that you know, that Nick couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I think Marino wasn't going to be available. Who's of course family, mm-hmm. um, and apart from being an amazing, uh, uh, you know, yeah, driver, he's, he's all right. Okay, he's okay. <laughs> but the you know, so it would be um, their first choice and within mm-hmm. the family. So, but it's not certain. I knew there was some deliberation. Of course, in the meantime, of course, there are lots of people from, which is also good for the event, including mm-hmm. probably people in from Formula One and. Mm-hmm are the big names who are at Goodwood and to drive mm-hmm. a GTO would be a massive media mm-hmm. situation. Course, yeah, yeah. But in fact, and so I'd, I'd said to, to Nick, well, that's, it's really kind. We, we had a coffee and um, early on in the weekend and he, he said, no, I'd love you. I said, well, it's, it's really kind. Thank you for thinking of me and asking, but I really understand, I'll, 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 I'll totally understand if I'm gazumped. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically, because that's... 
yeah, what happens. Which happens yeah. um, and uh, and, they, and he stuck anyhow, and he stuck to his his choice, which was a really nice thing. Um, mm. But no, so it's it's funny how these things happen. The amount of cars that someone said, "Oh, you should do this or do that," and yeah. so unless you've done until you've done it, and you've got a picture, an Amy Shaw picture, <laughs> maybe on the wall, um, it may not have happened. Yeah, we should change the phrase from Pixar. It didn't happen to Amy Shaw's photograph, or it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm very flattered. It's, it's lovely. One of those photographs where I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, I think, because mm. then the light was coming through the trees and like it was one of those um, points of festival speed where you can stand in one space and so many shots that you end up missing because somebody else will jump in yep. and get the shot or somebody will walk through into your shot or the cars don't leave at the time they think they're going to leave you have to run off so yeah I'm, I'm, when I got that shot and then I found out it was you driving as well I thought oh this has all worked yeah, out no, quite nicely yeah. Yeah. so I think it's also one of the only shots of a 250 GTO that I've got so um, yeah wow. no it's uh, it's yeah. anyway you can, John you can have a look outside if you want it's not, I've noticed it on the wall on the way I in. will so. oh, I yeah. definitely will yeah. the Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for memorial day get 15 percent off your burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25 percent off outdoor that's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. With the, I wanted to ask, with the historic racing, do you think there is going to be any form of concern for the future of historic racing? Or do you reckon that, the, that there's no worry at all when it comes down to the racing side? From what? From well, just out of the way. Like one thing um, I've been discussing with with my other half, William, is that you know the idea of if we have kids at some point, would they ever turn around to us and say, "Hey, you're destroying the planet by doing what you're doing, yeah. and we're now going to be vegans. We don't want you to drive these historic vehicles." And how would we respond to that? Like of a, wow, that would be heartbreaking for from our point of view, but then understandable from their point mm. of view. So just I suppose from from someone that's you know generations into come into the the racing world, and then also your own children are, seem mm. to be like they're going to also go into the, the, well, the classic car world what do you think about the kind of the future of all of that the very very good point and and valid concern or issue that they to discuss but i think from my point of view i'm i think it's quite uh simple it's in some ways it's simpler than road traffic mm-hmm. mm. if you and then, yes one is transport but you can also people can you know Certain people don't actually want to drive. There are young people who don't That's right. actually yeah. even have a license because they don't feel the need to drive. Mm-hmm. They live in a town city, or they get a bus, or, yeah. or they get Uber, or for not well, a a sorry, a a, a, com- okay. a, a transport company. <laughs> so, no, but as, as the ter- whatever generic, um, yeah, yeah, various taxis. Uh, but but the yes, or, or other ways of t- or group together, you know, yeah. carpool and and they, or don't if they have a license, they don't have a car. Yeah. Which is very valid because there's a lot of pollution. Although I think the the figure of is it one one uh, 
trip to the Far East with a with a cargo ship emits the same pollutants as as global traffic road yeah. traffic for a, a year, year or so. Yeah. So yeah. you know, so th- that that is that is the real issue. But everyone can do that. Every little helps. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And and reducing yeah emissions. But within that, in gen in road current vehicles, the fuels are now as they're being developed. Are incredibly well. Engines are way more so efficient compared to even five, ten years ago, let alone 30, 50 years ago. Mm. So, current engine road engines are very efficient, and the fuels, uh, the the recycled, reclaimed fuels, Mm. not just the fully synthetic, are incredibly good. So, even at Le Mans, the world championship, the FIA WEC has run run this season, the 24 hours was on reclaimed fuel from Mm. Total and. That is the same as people know. Porsche developing synthetic fuels, many other Aramco. Mm. Um, so the um, so the fuels by burning green by using green fuels, you're actually not even you're and therefore coming to older cars mm-hmm. with virtually no change, mm. just very f- small fueling. Uh, you know, sort of jetting and and looking at the yeah. the rubber the, the hoses. Maybe the hoses, yeah. You can run. Um, and old cars have been racing on this, not just the current mm-hmm. cars. Mm-hmm. That if you're using old fuel, and you're, if, even if they're only 60%, uh, if they're 60% more efficient or less pollutant than the others, then that is a ben- that is very good. Yeah. You can say the and the overall mileage in any year is very low. Mm-hmm. Less traffic is going around is generated by cars racing on a circuit, and in time normally limited to 30 or maximum. Fifty at a big circuit, mm-hmm. you know. There's less pollution from there than the cars coming with spectators to watch. Yeah, yeah. Of or course. trucks yeah. bringing yeah. the car. Yeah. But so there are a lot of different ways to, and also any car that's already been built does not generate more mm-hmm. no, pollution right. in its construction. Yeah, yeah. And if you're keeping it going, you're not destroying it, which is then putting it back somewhere else, yeah, as opposed to end. some of the technology. And it's amazing. Hydrogen is an amazing way. The fuel cells are ready for the um, LM mm-hmm. uh, from the Le Mans. Uh, program run by Green GT, for example, is um, is is a fantastic car that's nearly up, nearly on the pace, mm-hmm. and will be for next year. Um, and running full stints and refueling in the same normal pit mm-hmm. window time, um, running and that's running on. And also they've got uh, recycled rubber mm-hmm. in the tires. You know, Ooh. so all mm-hmm. a lot of things that you know that are really conscious of the future. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so for the older cars too so the mileage is is that hydrogen also the, actually the 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 fuel as developed um is, is actually a hundred plus year old 200 year old <laughs> fuel source yeah. is 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 being driven without a, a pun driven back <laughs> into the into the um uh into industry too because i know yeah. jcb have been very strong yes. on this that's right yeah um and uh but also okay and then the electric mm-hmm. For electric cars, which is something that's the route that governments have been forced or, or people they've been looked to and and manufacturers have had to mm-hmm. um, embrace. But actually, the the huge the billions spent in developing and building uh, cars and and it's particularly the batteries, which is they are fantastic, very efficient, mm. work very well, quiet, simple, clean, great many things, way and ways to you know get the the energy, whether particularly in warmer climes, with the mm-hmm. uh, solar solar panels on the roof of your garage, and you recharge overnight, and it's no problem, mm-hmm. particularly if you're not doing big distances. But at the same time, 
the yeah the environmental cost in making those correct yeah oh, cars horrendous. and then disposing of them mm-hmm. for a short life mm. is incredible so it's very good for revenues mm. for the government yeah i'm not this isn't a political but, no, but no, it's, it's actually a fact the yeah. fact that you know it, but for a car that starts and drives on one fuel and actually if you change the fuel mm. as long as you can produce that and it, that's not giving off pollution it's not mm-hmm. and that's made in a in a in a conscious or green, you know green way mm-hmm. that actually that is better for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, using your yeah. old car a few times yes. a yeah. year yeah. than necessarily going out and buying new technology that's trashing it yeah. or, or paving, o- paving over a field, yeah. which is then putting water straight back into a sewage drainage system and overflowing the rest or heating yeah. and then superheating the atmosphere. Yeah. So have a, have a green roof and drive an old car. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. I mean, this, this is a, it's a topic of conversation we've we found ourselves having I find it so interesting. two years now, isn't yeah, it? With different yeah. angles and exactly. opinions. And everyone that we talk to, I find it interesting to find their, their own yeah, input into it. So, sorry, yeah. No, that's either. okay. But yeah, I think, I, I think you're absolutely right, James. I, I think we're going to get to a point where perhaps the, uh, the masses will realise what a lot of us in the automotive industry have, have known and had feared for a a good few years since the big push on electrification, uh, that the facts and figures are if you're going out to buy an electric car, that's absolutely fine, but if you're going out to buy an electric car to do something better for the environment, and a new electric car especially, then chances are you might not be actually doing (laughs) as much good as you think. But I think with your point, Amy, with regards to the long-term future, I'd like to think, with the advancements that we have now in synthetic fuels, I'd like to think that perhaps if if we listen back on this conversation, perhaps... 10, 15 years from now, I'd be fascinated to learn how much has changed and if there's almost been a bit of a, a bit of a reversal in the removal of internal combustion engine cars because of things like synthetic fuel, which mm. are greener to produce and which remove the requirement to build a new fleet of electric cars, each of which are generating 20 to 30 tonnes of CO2 per car that's being mm. built. And yeah, it's, um, I think... I think mainly because of the passion and the the love of cars and engines especially there will always be a continuation of cars there will certainly be people that will always be critics and I think I think you're right there will be a, a large proportion of the future that will perhaps look at what we've done with cars and think of us as horrendous old dinosaurs that have gone out of their way to purposefully try and destroy the planet but you know anyone that's a critic to be a true critic you have to do your research and by doing your research hopefully you'll discover that the people that are doing it because we've got a passion, it's not because we are out to kill the planet. It's because there's a lot more to it than just the car and the mm. stuff that comes out the exhaust pipes. There's, yeah. There's... But so, yeah, and in fact, um, yes, and so that's and it's also the, the particulates and what's a, you mm. know, what uh, emissions at source versus burnt in, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in the journey. But say, but at a particular circuit, I mean, every, yeah, so if you stop people further in, bust people in or transport you know, mm. tra- but i think normal transport mm-hmm. and i think daily transport people yeah people are not actually willing not, I, i'm often happy to take a train mm, absolutely because you can sit down you can get on with messages emails yeah. texts which you can't do when you're driving which mm-hmm. is frustrating when if you're on the if traveling quite a lot you end up not being able to do stuff until later in the That's until the end of the journey and so so actually to sit and just be moved about normally is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so more in favour of that. And then some things within reason, yeah. Useful. And having said that, of course, I did drive for Tesla for a few years, back mm. in 2009, 10, 11. I watched a very old YouTube video of you talking about that. Oh. I think it was at the top of Festival Speed Hill. With Graham Ben. Yes, that was yes. <laughs> I remember that. That was with the press day. Yes, yeah. Press day. And um, But again, it was it was actually really cool. We drove down from London, you know, drove from London, car there, 
drive around, go up the hill a few times, drive back to London without mm. recharging. Really? Yeah. Which which was a genuine yeah. thing, you know. But um, the... Uh, yeah, and it was amazing, you know, sort of suddenly being quiet and silent. I remember, and also we did the sprint, good sprint with a couple mm-hmm. of cars, and I, I, I won and <laughs> won the class out of the, uh, the class E for electric, well which done. was the um, wow. and anyhow, but anyway, with two cars from Tesla, and um, uh, w- but it, it was great to do that, and then work, work out charging point, and then the then Lord March, now the Duke of Richmond, of course. We, we didn't have a joke about just getting free fuel from him. With, <laughs> because, but we then looked at actually getting a charging point at the hotel because then it was a destination of point of doing that, I suppose, yeah. just plugging into the, the blue socket at the, in the shelters in the garages. <laughs> but, um, uh, but we did that and, and set, you know, and, and, you know, it was it to, to do that, which was the first MSA sanctioned event. We had to go through, we had to do a test on, or, or consideration for, you know, regulations, marshals and so yeah, on. Of course. Um, and it was, but it was interesting, all the way through working with manufacturers and and uh, amongst other things. To, but developing, even if it's not the technology, what's around that, the social impact or or considerations. And I remember here coming to the end of Lavent Strait, um, and and hearing a strange noise, which because you can hear everything, which is nice and quiet mm-hmm. driving. I thought, what's that? And then lift off the brake and and back on the brake, and it, I, it was the friction. Mm. You could hear actually first wow. the clunk. There was a small clunk, which was the caliper. <laughs> Operate and closing on the on the disc, and then you could hear the the sort of noise yeah. of the friction, mm. and it was amazing and a sound that you would never normally you know you wouldn't yeah. normally think you couldn't hear it normally, mm-hmm. and to hear these things it's brought a different element to it, mm-hmm. yeah. and then working out the regen. So you're coming up to the chicane, it was the end, turning into the chicane at nine, over ninety miles an hour, mm-hmm. and the regen would just slow you enough to get through you know low point fifty five, mm-hmm. fifty eight, or sixty or something. Mm-hmm. Um, through and out and it was this you know it was this really quick efficient way and again adapting to another way of driving which yeah, was which was really good but then other cars are certainly very special and again so having worked with you know some even recently so, you know and uh, you know very well the latest fastest hypercars and mm. you know that they're going to be fantastic and not because of the la- the, the, the badge label mm. it will do exactly the task mm-hmm. amazing drive to hear, to do with it. And therefore, and that, that is just from accomplishment and you know that. Whereas, yes, a lot of manufacturers build amazing cars and I love lot and I'm, I'm very close to and work with manufacturers. So thinking about your time driving or testing so many manufacturer cars, both race cars and road cars, what would you say has been the most interesting change? Like, what have you seen? What's been the most fascinating development in the time that you've been driving so many different cars? Probably the b- transmission and brakes, mm. but transmissions probably more so because brakes have, have evolved. What well, started with manual into sequential boxes, yeah. and I remember here it was the early, well, they for the Audi R8. You could see they were quieter than the other cars uh-huh. at Le Mans. The yeah. sorry, the the, the 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 Le Mans cars, sports cars. They, the engine note was quieter. Every, mm. Lots of others, the V8s, V10s, screaming away, and they were quieter, looked more efficient, mm. sounded more efficient. The the and they, that, it was that step from from the manual boxes to sequential to the to the um, paddles. Yeah, and that with the early electric ones. So okay, clunky now, but mm. they changed it to sort of see. And then, the, but the Audis were seamless gear change, mm. and you could hear yeah, them, yeah. See, watch them, and hear them. And it was mm. see, it was starting to get seamless way before others were, mm. and actually looked much looked more efficient in that regard than the F1 cars of the period. Mm. Yeah, which maybe also you couldn't because of the sound of the F1 car, you couldn't hear the boxes, but it was 
it was just that thing. They were, were efficient. And for an endurance car, that is the perfect thing and why they did very well. And But it's, yeah, it yeah. feeds into the road cars. But they, but, they say that, but the transmissions are a massive thing. And But feeling how good they've become. Mm. I remember when the, when the Enzo Ferrari came out and that was the F1 technology. That's right. And then with it, you know, the, by the time you move on to the next few, few years later, there's all oh, that clunky, clunky <laughs> yeah, box. True. Yeah, you You know, which was, a, but it's the same, but it's nice. And then, but like with all the cars driving the different transmissions with the pre-selector gearboxes mm. and you had a few different types. Some again go go up, some go down on the on the column change, some on the between the legs, some you know, the the Kotel box was an early electric selector, gear selector in a gear gate, but which were operated as standard. Mm-hmm. But you know, used as a gearbox but electrically uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh selected. Yeah. So is that but the and I th- I love that technology with it, but de- definitely every year or month, you know, that's changing. So new cut is really important, I think, to yeah. stay stay up to date and mm. or ahead and work on things that and actually have driven the things that you then see on road cars or that have now been become normal that were only on on on, on these other cars yeah so. it's fascinating thinking back you know i i have very fond memories of owning a, a e46 m3 bmw with the smg gearbox which at the time of it being launched was kind of like this space age technology and you drive an smg gearbox now and it's it's almost like your passenger is changing gear for you. You're waiting, <laughs> you're waiting for it to all engage. And I, I had a, a drive. Funny you say the R8. So I had a drive not too long ago of an early R8, which had the E gearbox, which again at the time of its launch was celebrated as this. Wow, it's like an F1 car. You can blip through the gears with the paddles. You drive them now, and again, it's like hit the paddle, and there we go. It's gone into gear. <laughs> yeah. And then the past week, I've been driving around in one of the, the latest R8s, and that thing is just incredible. You just tap the paddle, and bam, you've gone straight yeah. into the next gear. Mm-hmm. Likewise going down and the new mclarens now where you half touch the paddle and it then starts to engage the primary clutch because it knows you're about to shift down or shift up and therefore you've got this absolutely instant shift and it's and it's changed driving style and Mm. efficiency of the cars make efficiency of driving certainly on circuit Mm. to make and it's where results i think the margins are so much smaller Mm. the increments of time come in the the braking starts it because and you can change down and up Within the corners, a because it's yeah. seamless, you're not losing traction right, whilst yeah. it happens, or unset- unsettling the car, which it would have before. Yeah. But also, you can get that optimum power torque mm-hmm. range in that point where you want it. Whereas previously, you'd have let you would have selected a gear that would have been a compromise. Yes. But it would it was all that you could have for that either mm-hmm. too because you'd have lost the time changing down and up, or would have been just you know the revs wouldn't have been right mm. whereas that boom boom you can go up down a couple of gears in and out on the entry and exit mm. before you know it and and it which is which is fantastic to drive i know yes of course the manual box is like but you just can't get with the brakes being so good now yeah. grip being good mm-hmm. even mechanical grip let alone air on road cars and then i'm not saying on the road on a circuit of course <laughs> oh, yes. no because no, on the road i'm, I'm happy driving a little automatic around you know <laughs> on the road i know it sounds very disappointing <laughs> but because when you look you know you drive fast elsewhere but on the road mm-hmm. just drive around responsibly at you know yes. at appropriate speed well even as we as we pulled up i think i pointed out to you the the car that you drive around daily is your little but we know I used to have a little automatic mini when I was in London something light and simple that has a good turning circle mm-hmm. short small easy to park for most journeys for me is is great and then do the driving bit when you get there <laughs> yeah. or go out and just enjoy it but not but the speed of course is um 
No, you know, it's it's right. You've got to be responsible, and mm. you know, it's, and theref- and yeah. So therefore, and I don't need to do it for the enjoyment. Cause I'm very mm. lucky to to drive to you know yeah. to, to drive cars quickly um, a lot of the time. So I think I, I've discovered as well, both with uh, car road yeah, four wheel drivers and and motorcycle riders as well. Those that do it regularly, either as a competitor, um, as an instructor, or or just you know, event organisers that drive around on circuits. The more time you spend driving on a circuit, the less you want to drive fast on the public mm. road. Mm-hmm. I, I find it blew my mind. I remember thinking back to when I first started out in the events industry and running track day companies and the instructors that we would employ to come along to our events. Um, a very, very fond memories of a, a, a man that taught me most of what I can be uh, perhaps half credited for being a, a half decent driver on a circuit. A chap called Steve Lewis, who you might know, he works a lot at Silverstone as well. And I remember talking to Steve, and Steve had previously raced in um, the uh, TVR Championship and won it, and he'd had all these amazing accolades to his name. And I remember thinking at the end of the first day that I met him, I thought, I bet Steve drives a cool car. I bet he's going to drive home in something really cool. And it was a Rover 25. (laughs) I remember thinking, what? (laughs) And then I'd meet these other instructors that turn up to events in an absolutely boggo standard Ford Mondeo. And then the more you speak to them, these are people that spend their lives day in, day out, driving fast on track, either in the driver's seat or the passenger seat. And they just want to drive home. Mm. They just yeah. want to potter home in well, their slow yeah. car. And actually, some, yeah, if you're driving and earn, earning a living from mm. driving a bit, then actually you don't always have all the money to spend on, no, on a car. Right. Actually, which is yeah. the other thing, you know. Yeah. So we want to sort of focus on that. But a quick aside on that, one thing I I try to do, I do do at, for example, Goodwood Festival, where I'm lucky, lots of different cars there. And I'm often asked to drive for a number of different cars, whether for manufacturers or private owners or something so the museum so the um with that the uh, i off I try to take a, a a photograph in the cockpit of each car of say of the daft of mm. in yep. my view yep. in each car i get mm-hmm. into and i mean it's difficult i do when you're lining up before the before the start line mm-hmm. you get you know gloves off and get a picture looking towards the start line with with the steering wheel and dash and and often consecutively it could be sort of three or four cars a day and some of a couple mm. of you know a couple of runs so you get these different things but then i've bit done it with um yeah so sort of from a, a carbon tub and mm. digital dash and some to wooden rim steering wheel yeah. with mecha- <laughs> mechanical <laughs> rev counter and and sort of turned aluminium mm. so it was, yeah it's sort of it's really, and then i did you know time said yesterday i did a joke that's a fun thing for myself saying yesterday i drove this, 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 this. <laughs> and today, I've done, and there's a picture of me, the steering wheel of a Fiat motorhome <laughs> as I was driving out of the campsite. You know, but it was this thing, of like, almost it was like these sort of stratospheric cars in importance or value, whatever. And then here I am just pottering home in the, in the little thing. Back to reality, yeah, Monday morning. Yeah. So that's the thing. So it's a transport and, yeah. you know, you, you do the things that are necessary. And actually, sorry, one thing that slightly relates to um, you can say Toyota to mm-hmm. that and to, to different cars one thing I'm uh, some of the cars I've been very lucky to have driven and you'd have seen a, a Goodwood some sometimes not a, a, a from the Lauer Museum mm-hmm. which is uh, in the family as such yeah. because that's from Queenie's family and her father Avert Lauer and his father Peter Lauer started collecting cars uh, in 1934 Wow. So, um, and actually, yeah, next year is the hundredth anniversary of of the business, which is importing mm. automotive. Oh, cool! Uh, the automotive 
products, I suppose, but and distribution. But but so the the, the museum is about showing the history of the automobile, which comes into the technologies yeah. as well, of, of, from fuels to mm-hmm. to the evolution of the automobile mm-hmm. over the last 135 years. And um, and earlier, in fact, going back to some carriages from the mm. 17th century. So how exactly did you and Queenie meet? I mean, um, did, you, did you say it was at Goodwood? It was, actually. It was at the party. I was there and behaving well not not you know not uh, t- drinking water all evenings mm-hmm. I was there and I was only at the I was still dancing because of course was there and I was there with Dunhill and guests mm-hmm. and their guests and um, who I was driving in the supercars and and so and it was Queen said oh but you're always here what what are you driving I said an Alpha HC oh which one and um the I said the new competizione since you, oh, I'm driving a real one. <laughs> and she was in the 1933 uh, Louis Chiron Le Mans car. Hmm. Anyhow, it was quite funny that, so even that, um, the, the, you know, when we met, actually we were both, not, we were both at the event, but I was driving the newest car. She was, as in, you know, the, the newest Alpha. She hmm. was actually driving also an Alpha HC, but the original, hmm. one of the originals. So, um, and then it it overlaps. So there is, it's very hard to get away from yeah. <laughs> from some of these things. Mm-hmm. But and also yeah. But again, so think about the phone. And then remember another thing. So that was all. That was a new car in mm-hmm. the supercars and with guests and so, uh, or guests of Dunhill. And then the and 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 journalists. And then lucky also to drive a uh, a Matra F1 car. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is going back to an old car. But again, something if someone offers you that opportunity yes thank you very much where, yeah. where we yes. let's do a seat fitting quickly <laughs> or actually i'll just jump in with a with a pillow behind yeah. no it's sort of um one of the, that matra must the ms8 must be one of the best mm-hmm. handling mm. immediate or ha- feeling cars yeah i think i've driven and and i'm not in well i i then found out I'm not in bad company i drove first time went to the bottom of the hill left the assembly turned around Set set off up the hill, and I would be. This is fantastic, and it's something that literally dropped the clutch. With it, it's got a DFE. It's a small. It's a very light car. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite short, narrow, for an F1 car. As the late sixties, seventies came on, they you know they started getting much bigger, and this was still still a narrow car and um, and light, and it felt light, and the steering was beautiful, and the DFEs, but it felt like it was just five hundred. Bit- brake strapped to your back because yeah. there was virtually no weight to it and the handling was beautiful the light steering and you could drop the clutch first second third before the first corner which not, and i wow. think through because i'm used to getting in different cars you think not most cars it's third gear often on the, on a short gearing on a normal gearing would be could be up to third before the first and then back to second for the term mm-hmm. you think through <laughs> what you might do so you can have rehearsed in your head even yeah. if you're not sat in the car before I did this, and it was bang, 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 third, really putting third, wow, back second, through there, bang, wow, and past the house, yeah. fourth, you know, uh, pulling into fifth. It was like, okay, well, this is, <laughs> what's going on? This just, but it felt magic. It's like yeah. you'd driven it, like a little go-kart you've driven for years. Mm. And it came back, and I, like, went into lunch at Cartier, the, the event there, and saw Mark Stewart. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, what have you just been driving? And um, I said, oh, just driven it's matra it's amazing mm-hmm. he said yes my father's he said because of course sir jackie won the world championship mm-hmm. first in in an ms80 um which i'd slightly forgotten at the time <laughs> you know when i was driving it <laughs> yeah. but there was and he said 
that I think if I'm not misquoting you, Mark, that it was the that Jackie said it was the best handling car he had driven. Wow. And That's... and I think or certainly one of the nicest. And it was exactly so. Okay, so it wasn't just me thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay, that feels really good because it was instant. It yeah. fitted me. It felt good, but it was so light, so quick, and powerful for an old car. Mm-hmm. You could just you felt you could do anything. Yeah, and um, with, with drives like that, it, the opportunity to drive that up the hill. How much time, if any, do you get to practice from that first experience? It, of, you let the clutch out. <laughs> you go it. In the, sitting in the car. So that was the first time you in the assembly. In the car. Yes. Wow! Wow! That's amazing. Yeah. But I'd driven. I'd no, yeah, nothing. I've done well. Yeah, but I, and I'd driven up the hill quite a lot. Yeah. And also because in the early days we used to do press days. Well, early. Well, I didn't do the first press days, but for some years I used to do press days in uh, in the year, which was combined for both events. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, and I've now been up, I don't know, a few hundred times. Yeah. Um, in, I think, 40, over 40 cars. Different yeah. cars from, and some several years, mm. some not, but then also now mm. it's three, it's four days of driving. Mm. So actually you can end course, up, yeah. sometimes you just drive a car once, I've driven a car once, other times, been lucky to do lots and do the shootout and mm-hmm. be in the new cars, in old cars and get used to it. But you also, okay, but, uh, and even with the shootout, yes, it, it's coming but... I've and the way I've not, it's not been for the hill record mm. to take on Nick Hydefield's time or now or Romans and now mm. Max's time with with them, um, the spearling. But the but yes, to be quick to win a class, mate, hopefully. But and but to also it's for the show, yeah. And yeah. because there's always far more to lose than probably to gain by <laughs> by True. I think there yeah. with it you know and you can drive a car very quickly really to show speed and you know, the, the sound without r- taking risks mm-hmm. and I think because the and the, the hill of the the surface evolves the whole time because you've got and you've got crowd it's like on it's a country road mm, yeah. country lane driving off a single yeah. track country lane uh with crown and camber and um uh, and also, there's dust that's kicked up by the, mm. yes, of course, the vehicle yeah. before. The water damp stays under the trees, and, and you never quite know the difference. And you, yes, you can, yes, you research, you watch the previous cars, you can have people spotting on the hill, and and so on. But actually, you, you can make, you can drive a car very well and nicely. You sound good and so on, without necessarily <laughs> risking all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless, for example, you're really, yeah, if you're really going for the time, then you would do that. But again, like with every, anyone, you, it's all it's all a risk. It's how much margin mm. you give, it's and it's how you even ride the bumps in terms of, yeah, and of then damping the bump the, the bump on the way into uh, into um, the flint wall mm-hmm. section, mm. that S, and it's if you're <laughs> normally, yeah, you'll brake before and and release the the pedal so that you can ride. And turn in mm-hmm. with the, without the bump affecting that, which is a a problem. You get more than bump steering. <laughs> I mean, it's a whack mm. if you hit and you're on the brakes. And anyhow, so where or are you brave enough to go on through there or carry? Can mm. the car, if you know, is it good? Do you have enough grip to just mm. go? Quick? So it's all these things. And but uh, you're a lot of the time. It is about just you know for people to appreciate the car. I think that that is yeah the good word. Festival of Speed and and the Revival, yeah, I think are two two events that 
a lot of people listening to this will will know you for so it's always fascinating to hear that insight of of what it's like as a driver and that finding that balance between putting on a good show but also keeping things safe and <laughs> yeah you don't respecting be... respecting the car absolutely yes. being, absolutely yeah. absolutely Sympathetic. now before we kind of lead things to an end we've been we've been talking now for a, a great amount of time and, and we we need to let you get back to your your day but it'd be interesting to explore what a an average day looks like for you mm. at the moment well apart from well being a family man of course <laughs> no so it is um uh no it is, i'm always up early and um the uh, yeah so up and uh ex- some exercise first is is always mm-hmm. The, my start of the day so and actually in the so somewhere between five and six i'll be up mm-hmm. and then obviously yeah so messy but generally days um and without going through the boring thing of step by step <laughs> what i had for breakfast <laughs> i always have a cup of tea and then <laughs> <laughs> no but um so but up early and and catch up with well messages i'm still i am still with meetings and and even with some uh coaching some testing mm-hmm. still and recently i'll be doing licenses arts licenses so which is the yep. people to to get their test or good friend renewed the license um yeah so i do that at silverstone um which is my sponsor school and there are also some some corporate and uh corporate days track days mm. doing so um so that's on plus working uh, trying to get things arranged for next year uh the calendar sorted out and in fact so also having had but we've had london Brighton. so this is the oldest mm. cars again oh, last yes. year and um and uh so through uh that and then the award mm. octane awards last week congratulations which, on your win by oh, the way yes but no so it is the now the time for the yes it's thank you but the, <laughs> for the award sinners and the rac awards mm-hmm. are coming up yeah. uh on thursday um uh sadly memorial mm. too but the and immediately yeah, so so but planning for next year working on things already on programs because i and also I consult with with some brands and events too. So and um, events and and charities. So I've got, th- for example, Le Mans Twenty Four Hours in the ACO, yep. um, Automobile Club de la West, and that is, is anyhow things getting busy there. Plus, you know, Cop Hill climb yes. on the other side to so go from mm-hmm. a global event, huge, uh, but to Cop Hill climb, which has also been going for a hundred years, which is a um, or sorry. F- hasn't run continuously, unlike Le Mans, with a couple of wartime years mm. off. The um, Cop Hill climb is a is a was a hill climb for first motorcycles and then cars uh, in the nineteen twenties, um, and it's nearby. And uh, something we support. My father uh, supported from the beginning of it, sort of re uh, 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 a return, I suppose, of the event. But it, it was just over ten years ago, um, and that and I'm a patron of mm-hmm. Cop Hill Climb, and it's great to get interest in people there, um, interesting cars. So that's obviously important too. So the and also the Invicta Car Club, yes, which goes back to so a long term family relationship with that, mm-hmm. um, which still, as I was saying earlier, with the links even to Ian Fleming. Yes, we've seen a lot of riding had the st- yeah. you know the had the lap here. record yeah. on the Stel oh, the the hill record on the Stelvio during the winning the Coupe des Glaciers Coupe des Alpes wow. with Donald Healy in mm. 1932 in an Invicta. So it's anyhow it's also re- relates to Bond, mm. <laughs> but um, they were also Invicta, so it's very much been part of in the family and and racing. So and the club and the archives something really 
going to, uh, well, you know, got to spend quite a bit of time with mm-hmm. over the winter. Um, so those are some of the... That's what keeps you busy. Yes, yeah, some of the things on top of other, you know, admin thing at race programmes, yeah. um, multiple other events that I'm involved in, fantastic advising people. There are a number of people who like to visit the Lauer Museum. Of course. So internationally who will contact me, for example, because of course they know of it, mm-hmm. may know of it, but actually, but know the direct link or some know of it through me, it's actually, of course. Um, yeah. And, uh, and uh, yes, so, so there are some, yeah, sort of continental trips plus events starting from January, mm. from the second week of January. Mm traveling on events wow so there's still a still a bit of time <laughs> it's yeah. time to uh time to go with well and, and actually yeah, therefore and, and plus at the same time there is um catching up on lots of things from that we've done during the year remembering what we've done writing and yes. now um what, yeah. and um and well and hopefully having some time for family too yeah <laughs> so which is, very which, no, which is very important and trying to get you know and getting to 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 see to and making being able to make time to yeah. do things, not literally chasing around every weekend. Otherwise, it's been well, virtually every weekend. Yeah, yeah, and often much. midweek. So um, yeah. it's good, but but no, great to be busy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's very yeah, very uh, fortunate. Sometimes you might be like you, brother. You might like, you feel like almost you'd quite like to just be able to go in and sit at a desk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes. when can I just sit down yes. at a computer and just have a, yes. my own day? Yeah. But, that, but no, but it's it's great that we're we're all very lucky to be yeah. involved in 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 the industry in, right. in and in yeah. several ways mm-hmm. to 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 get out and and as much yeah the, the people are are as important as the. As the cars, I think. For, yeah. Oh, totally. Well, and, yeah. and sorry, I shouldn't forget motorcycles, okay. which yeah. I don't. I don't ride really myself. Um, no. Certainly, you know, I don't ride on the road. I don't compete. But I was, as you know, I, I did ride with a friend, Maria Costello, mm-hmm. uh-huh. on yes. in, on her TT uh, sidecar outfit. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, and there, there are sort of some temptations, lots of things. <laughs> but so again, two way things of coaching, swapping, mm. you know, experience on cars and mm. and and bikes, sidecars. But no, so. Lots of good things to happen and work on, and yeah, and even yeah, getting up trips hopefully to the TT with Maria and um, events all over the all over the world, and including with other events with the ACA with mm-hmm. for the twenty four hours for mm-hmm. promotion for things first this year, and um, no, it's a uh, well, lots to get on with. Yeah, you, like you sound it. like you're one of the busiest people I've ever met. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's not. No. No, it's uh, no, it's just lots of yeah, different things. Yeah. Well, this has been a great, really fantastic insight into you, James, and your history and the the many things that you're involved in. I have absolutely no doubt that we will be speaking to you again at events like Goodwood. I'm often seen running around with a microphone in hand, mm-hmm. talking to drivers and mechanics and race teams and just general people. And um, yeah, it would be great to have a chat with you mid chaos i think it's always <laughs> yeah, fun yeah. you get to see a whole new side of people when they're <laughs> yeah. about to drive something exciting up a hill yeah um, no as i would say they actually were dri- sitting in the car is about the calmest time yes that, <laughs> because you true. just do your yeah. own you yeah. just get back to the own thing you don't do the rest but yeah no but yeah. always happy to to talk and 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 see you and and yeah um that would be great hopefully some more experiences without the dogs barking in the background sometimes no dogs to be heard yeah yeah, no this has been great James thank you so much for giving us so much of your time and um, yeah for 
adding to our list of amazing voices that we've spoken to on this podcast so far. Uh, a message to you, dear listeners, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then uh, you've now got uh, almost 130, maybe more, uh, episodes to catch up on with um, amazing drivers, uh, designers, photographers, personalities, artists, PR people. Yeah. All the people. We've spoken to a lot of people. We've spoken to a lot of people. We've spoken to a lot of people. <laughs> so, yeah, and we continue, we, we plan to speak to an awful lot more. But, yeah, today with you, James, has been fantastic. Thank you so much for all of your time. No. And, um, yeah, Thank we you. look forward to Thank seeing you. you at an event, I assume, in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, <laughs> let's hope so. Look forward to it. Thank fantastic. you. Thanks. Thank you. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.